Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey there, thanks for listening to Leading Simple, where we're out to help the overwhelmed. My name is Rusty George, and I've got a great conversation for you today with an incredible individual by the name of Nona Jones, who is a Facebook insider. She works at Facebook. She's in charge of their Facebook groups. She's also a wife, a mom, a leader, a pastor, and she has great insight for us on some of the questions we have about social media. Is it creating more isolation? Is it just a venue for hate? And she gives us some great insight into the demonic realm, the spiritual realm, and the uh, potential beneficial realm of social media. And I can't wait for you to hear it from her. Uh, as we have been for the past few months, we are sponsored today by Growmentum, an incredible organization that helps your church not just work in it, but work on it. And in order to create a better organization, and as always, you can find out more about Growmentum on our show notes, but also a new sponsor, uh, a great company called RG3, and they are a local company in the Santa Clarita Valley, and their productions provide professional video content uh, from conception to final cut. And so if you have a story to tell or a product or business to promote, sports highlights to share or anything in between, they can do it. In fact, I know that RG3 has helped a lot of churches uh, just get their um, act together when it comes to their content they share online and they do great, great video work. You can contact them at rg3.prods at gmail.com or check them out on Instagram at rg3.productions and we'll link to those in the show notes as well. Well, today we get to hear from Nona Jones. I think you're going to really, really love what she has to say. So here we go. Well, welcome, Nona. We're really glad uh, to have you on the podcast. Uh, For our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself and you work at Facebook. Uh, I'm sure that wasn't always a lifelong aspiration. So uh, how'd you get there and just kind of just tell us who you are? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm just really honored to be a part of the vision that you have. I consider this podcast to be a ministry because uh, it's it's teaching and reaching people's hearts and minds. So thank you for having me. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, I have a day job at Facebook where I Uh, I get to lead um, faith partnerships, which essentially is both an externally facing and an internally facing uh, role. Um, My team works with houses of worship, denominations, associations, very large influential organizations that really are shaping um, faith. And it's not just the Christian faith. So it's, you know, um, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish, et cetera. Um, but, uh, we, we work with them to try to make sure that Facebook is meeting the needs of people of faith and how they practice faith online, which I think when it comes to the church, which is where my primary context is as a local church pastor, um, that's really important because, you know, two out of three churches, even before COVID were declining or plateauing in attendance while, um, you know, usership of, uh, social technology was rapidly increasing globally. So it just felt like, um, it was a really important trade-off. And then internally, uh, what we do is we try to really be the voice of faith at Facebook and bring all you know the insights that we get, um, the pain points we learn about, bring them to the product teams and policy teams and um, 
just really try to advocate on behalf of the, the faith ecosystem. So that's my day job at Facebook. In addition to that, as I mentioned, um, my husband and I pastor a local church um, in Gainesville, Florida, where I live. I am not on the West Coast, even though the vast majority of my team is there. So uh, time zone differential is is real. But um, pastor a local church, I also have uh, an itinerant ministry. So I get to travel the world and you know preach and teach the, the word of God. I am uh, also an author. I've written a few books. Um, uh, I think the most important role that I play, though, is uh, I am a wife to Timothy Jones Sr., and I have two amazing sons, um, Timothy Jr., who is 11, and Isaac, who is eight. So that's, uh, that's a little bit about me. I mean, how I got to Facebook, that is a story in and of itself. I'll tell you the short answer is God. Um, but when I say that, people think I'm exaggerating. So here's a long story short. Um, back in 2017, April of 2017, I was in a job I loved. I was helping to lead a, a network of alternative schools for girls, which I thought I would do for the rest of my life. And I was about four years into that role uh, when I was praying. And I was like, Lord, you know, I need wisdom for the next iteration of this, this job because we were trying to expand the program into other states. And so as I was praying, I heard the spirit say, this assignment is over, which mm -hmm. took me very much so by surprise, because as I said, I thought I would be doing it for the rest of my life. So I thought I heard it incorrectly. I prayed again a few days later and uh, heard the exact same thing again. This assignment is over. And so uh, I said, OK, well, if this assignment is over, Lord, what should I do next? And uh, the only thing that I sensed in my spirit is I needed to resign at the end of the fiscal year, which would have only been two months later, which was like, what? But uh, fast forward to that day, and uh, I met my boss at 1 o'clock p.m., gave her my letter of resignation. Uh, of course, her question was, well, what are you going to do? I have to be able to tell the board why you're leaving. And all I could say is, I'll tell you soon. I, I didn't have an answer. And so we finished talking at 1.40. I get in my car. I'm driving home. Uh, and at 2.05, my cell phone rang. It was a 650 area code. Thought it was a telemarketer. It said San Francisco, California. Uh, I wasn't going to answer it, but the spirit told me to take the call. So I did. And on the other uh, end of the line, a woman said, hi, is this Nona Jones? I said, yes. And she said, hi, I'm calling from Facebook. To which I said, that's funny because Facebook doesn't call people. So who is this really? And uh, she proceeded to tell me about this role. Now, mind you, she never said it was a job. She just told me what it was, like the, the scope, global scope, helping the company build for communities of faith. I thought they were putting together an advisory board or a committee. Mm -hmm. uh, and I told her to send me some information. And lo and behold, when I got home and checked my email, there was a link to a job description. And so uh, when I tell people I ended up at Facebook because of God, I'm not exaggerating. Um, I never applied for my job. Uh, <laughs> I literally got a call. 25 minutes after I resigned in faith. Uh, and that's, that's wow. been three and a half years. Okay. So there's so much there. I would love to, uh, <laughs> to drill down on. First of all, you mentioned something almost in passing that I think a lot of our listeners have spent a lifetime trying to figure out. And that is how to listen to the spirit. Yeah. Um, you know, what has that been kind of a, um, a, a refined skill over the years to discern the spirit's voice versus just your own, you know, internal dialogue? What's that, what's that sound like to you and how have you noticed that develop over the years? Yeah, it's, it's definitely been something that I find, I have fine tuned over the years. I think, um, where I became really sensitive to the voice of God 
is when I made the decision very intentionally that uh, I truly would lay down my ambitions for what the Lord wanted. And so when I made that decision um, in both my heart and my head, I realized that what that meant is that I would have to be attuned to the voice of God. And I would have to, instead of you know, leaning away from things I didn't want to do, I would have to really lean into those things because I always realize that as the word of God says, you know, his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so um, I started to lean into discomfort. Mm. And I think that's, that's when I became really attuned to the voice of God, because what I have discovered in my faith walk is that um, God rarely calls us to things that are comfortable. He rarely calls us to things that are convenient. And the reason for that is because what God does he does for the purpose of manifesting his glory in the world. Well, but he can't manifest glory in something that we do out of our own strength, right? It's like, I can go pick up my kids from school. Like that's something I can do in my own strength. Um, so he's not going to say, Nona, I'm calling you to pick up your kids from school. Got it. But if he was to say, I'm calling you to give that school a million dollars. Okay. Now we're in a whole other dimension because one, mm -hmm. First of all, I don't like have a million dollars to give a school, but if I did, I would probably be thinking twice about giving that much money to a school. Yeah. So I think that's that's what I've done is I've really learned how to lean into that discomfort. Um, and it's really about spending time in God's word and in prayer. And again, I, I, I'm almost at a point now, and I hate to say this, I was thinking about this the other day, I'm almost like really hesitant about making any move uh, without, first praying and getting really clear about what God wants me to do. I don't care if it's a great thing, a great opportunity. Mm. I, I, I'm very hesitant. And I have friends who, if a great opportunity comes, they jump at it. Mm -hmm. I'm the kind of person where I'm like, Ooh, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's a great opportunity, but let me pray about that. Let me seek God about that. And then if I feel like that's what he wants me to do, then I'll do it. So that's, it's been a process. Don't you feel like God's voice only gets louder over time? Yeah. You know, when you give it a little space yeah. and you're not just reactionary, it just seems mm -hmm. to get so much clearer. Yeah. I think, I think the word you use there, the operative word is space. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we tend to crowd our lives with stuff and activities and obligations so much so that we don't make space to hear the voice of God. And I think you're right. Mm -hmm. When you build that space in, it gives God a room to speak and move and, and manifest himself. Um, so much has been uh, obviously said about Facebook and uh, obviously you had the movie that came out a few years ago. Um, Zuckerberg's in the news all the time for various things, good and bad. I think that people have a perspective on Facebook that it's not all that faith friendly. Uh, from your perspective, it seems like you know they, they're leaning into that. Do you find it's an uphill climb or do you feel like it's uh, it's pretty well received? You know, I think this is an important question. Um, so the reality is, I just read a statistic that said 80% um, of people who work in tech identify as either atheist or agnostic, uh, whereas 84% of the world identifies with one of the five major faith traditions, huh. Christian being the largest, then Muslim, then Hindu, then Buddhist, then Jewish. Um, it's, it's important for me to say that because it is true that there is um, there is a bias in the tech sector 
um, I'm not going to say against faith, but it's certainly a skeptical of faith because 80% of the people are not people of faith. And I think it's important for us as people of faith to recognize that because if we don't have that framework, then we will feel like, oh, you're just being hostile to faith. It's not that. It's that they literally have no they have no frame of reference. And for many of them, and I, you know, I've talked to colleagues about this. This is one of the, the things I'm very grateful for the opportunity to do. I've talked to colleagues who have had really bad experiences uh, with faith. Um, I've talked to colleagues who grew up in a you know, very religious home um, and it was a religiously oppressive mm-hmm. uh, and, and they turned from it because of that experience. And so, yes, it, it can be challenging because people are approaching it from um, uh, an atheist or agnostic or sometimes just a really bad experience that they've had. Um, and so I think that just makes it incumbent on me uh, to try to really represent what the Christian faith is, um, what the love of Jesus is. You know, I, I believe Jesus uh, is, is fully truth and he's also fully love. And so I, I don't ever compromise on the truth of the, go- of the gospel and God's word at the same time, I'm not there to to bash and judge and and all that. That I'm there to be a, a, an arbiter of truth and an arbiter of light uh, and love. And so, um, yeah, it can be challenging, but I I recognize it for what it is. Hmm. You know, you, you bring up something I wanted to get to eventually, but this seems like the right time, and that is. You have 80% of your, uh, you know, let's say your the staff that you work with or people in tech who are atheists or agnostics. Boy, I can't imagine that the last year and a half of watching social media has made them come closer to believing in Jesus. Oh, man. And the way of Jesus. Uh, the way oh, we have man. behaved online has been so repugnant. Um, yeah. What have you noticed? What have you seen? What's your explanation for why things have been more hostile lately? Is it just because we were cooped up inside for so long, had nothing to do, so let's share our opinions? Uh, you know, what, what's your take on how social media could be an agent of change rather than an agent of of division? Yeah, so, you know, I'm actually, I'm, I'm kind of struggling to fight back tears here because... Um, this past year has, it's, it's been troubling to me personally, as well as professionally. I'll talk about the professional side first, because I work with people who, um, automatically come to conversations about faith skeptically, uh, or they come with a framework, uh, that faith is harmful and it's destructive. Uh, what they have seen over the last year has in many ways, even more deeply entrenched their uh, belief that people of faith are dangerous and harmful. Um, and, and I'll be very specific, um, people of the Christian faith are dangerous and harmful. And so um, it, it breaks my heart to know that the way people have shown up over the last year um, has been so antithetical uh, to to the gospel and who Jesus is and was and um, uh, I think it's it's definitely made my job more difficult uh, as not only someone who leads the faith partnerships team in Facebook but someone who is a pastor in Facebook someone who is a Christian at Facebook um, I think the reason why it has been so divisive um, I'm going to start 
in the spirit because I, I think we always go to the natural realm where we're like, it's been divisive because of the media and it's been divisive because of um, you know social media in particular, or mainstream media. No, it's been divisive because we are dealing with demonic issues. Mm. And I believe that um, part of the reason why uh, things are so entrenched is because there are strongholds, there are spiritual strongholds um, in this country that we have not um, cast down. In they're they're in the high places, and so we immediately start saying, you know, the mainstream media is the problem, social media is the problem, and and because we are so focused on those things, you know, Satan is over in the corner, like ha ha ha. I've got them distracted. No, it's 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 demonic. And I think we have to call it what it is. It's like, look, this is this is demonic activity. So in the spirit realm, I think it's divisive because this is what this is what Satan does. <laughs> he creates confusion and division. Uh, the Bible says only by pride comes contention. There is a spirit of pride that is rampant. Um, people will not um, repent for wrong. Um, people will not forgive others for wrong. And so you end up just puffed up. And so that's the spiritual side. On the natural side of it, I think we have um, we have decided that uh, there is, as the word of God says, there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is, is destruction. We have decided that our way is the right way. Um, and who cares if other people are destroyed in the process? It's us versus them. I think somehow we have determined that other image bearers are not worthy of grace. They're not worthy of love. They're not worthy of consideration and compassion. Um, and, and I think, again, that's a spiritual issue. I think there are some spiritual defects. And, and the worst part of it all, in my opinion, is uh, I, think, I think it might be in Matthew 7. Um, I was reading it the other day where Jesus, he's basically saying, you know, many will say unto me uh, in that day, you know, hey, we you know, fed the hungry in your name. And, you know, we, we clothed the naked in your name. We did all this in your name. And I will say to them, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Yeah. That frightens me literally to death <laughs> because yeah. I'm thinking all of these people who think all this division is somehow honoring God yeah. are going to get to a point where Jesus is like, I'm sorry, who are you? And that's, that's what bothers me the most. That's so well said. I love the fact that you pointed out the spiritual realm of this because we want to point at people mm -hmm. or organizations or news conglomerates or social media. Um, and, and it's, it is a spiritual battle. Um, let me ask you about while we're on the subject of, of using social media as an agent of change or good, mm -hmm. how could somebody do more than make a point, but make a difference? How, how can you coach people on how to use their platform um, to be able to bring unity and, and act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly yeah. rather than uh, just create an echo chamber of 
you know, their own interests and create division. Hey, we interrupt this podcast for two very special announcements. One is we have a great, great resource for all church leaders to use on Easter. Every Easter for the last several years, I've had this feeling of, boy, all these new people have given their lives to Christ, been baptized into Him. What resource could we give them? Well, we put one together called A Simple Path to Following Jesus. It's available on Amazon, or you can also get it through PastorRustyGeorge.com. It's a very small, easy read book that we're giving away digitally and physically at both of our styles of locations. You could do that easily as well. You can check that out, PastorRustyGeorge.com or on Amazon, A Simple Path to Following Jesus. Now, I also got something free for you. We are taking a 28-day journey towards Easter by walking through the Gospel of Matthew, and I've written a free devotional guide for you, a free PDF, and you can just get that at PastorRustyGeorge.com. Do this with family. Do this with friends. Sit down with your kids. You read one devotion a day for 28 days. You make it through the Gospel of Matthew. It's going to be so much fun, and we can talk about it by DMing me at RustyLGeorge on Instagram. Okay back to our show, Uh, you know, their own interests and create division. Oh man, this is such a good question. Well, first of all, let me say, I love Micah six, eight. I think we all need to just like memorize that, uh, you know, like maybe stick it on our phone and and on sticky note, put it on our laptop. Um, I think we have to realize that social media is, um, it's, it's the megaphone to the world. Um, and so those of us who have the privilege of knowing Jesus and who have the, the privilege of, of being a, a reflection of him in the world, that means we also have the responsibility of being a reflection of him in the world. And so I typically tell people the way I try to uh, manage my own social media is I really try to engage people in conversation because very rarely will you make a point and someone will disagree with you and you'll just like hammer hammer another point and they're like you know what i see the light now thank yeah. you for that no <laughs> but what what i typically will try to do is um it's important when somebody makes a point that you don't agree with instead of lashing back out at them and telling them how dumb they are and oh stop drinking the as some people have said to me stop drinking the cnn kool-aid and all this other stuff which is hilarious because I really don't even watch the news very much. But um, what I will do is I will ask them, you know, well, tell me, how did you arrive at, at your perspective? Yeah. Like that, I, I will start there uh, first because, you know, people believe what they believe, not necessarily because they're crazy, but because somehow somewhere along the line, they came to that conclusion. So it's like, okay, you know, well, tell me more about why you believe what you believe. I got into a very interesting conversation. So uh, in addition to the work that I do at Facebook and in ministry, um, I started a social justice organization called Faith and Prejudice uh, that is really focused on um, equipping local churches and Christians to be be at the table and leading the movement for racial equity in this country. So I got into a conversation once with a gentleman on Instagram and he he was calling us Marxists and socialists and all this, all the names. And, uh, you know, I, I, I asked him, I just said, I said, well, you know, help me understand, you know, how you arrived at your conclusion. And um, he started to, you know, lash back out. And, and I asked again, I said, oh, that's an interesting point. I said, okay, well, can you help me understand this part of it? Because I didn't understand what he was saying. And so he tried to explain and uh, he started as the conversation went on, he started to get like 
less and less um, uh, aggressive mm -hmm. so that we were actually having a conversation. And when we got to the very end, he said, you know, I, I can't say that I agree with what you're saying. He said, but I really enjoyed the tone of this conversation. And he said, I really appreciate um, that we were able to, to talk versus argue. And that's the goal. Like for me, the goal is not always to make somebody see things from my perspective because sometimes people literally cannot see things from your perspective because they don't have your perspective. Right. Remember perspective mm -hmm. is really a function of position. Like where are you in, in the situation? Yeah. Um, if you aren't in the same position, you don't have the same perspective necessarily. But my goal is for people watching the conversation to be able to say, you know what, Nona, you were respectful. Uh, you honored God. You know, I really admire how you handled that. That should be our goal. Mm -hmm. Our goal should not always be to make somebody agree with us because that may happen and it may not. But our goal should always be to reflect the love of Jesus and to be respectful because that is that is what makes people change their minds. You'd be surprised yeah. how many people change their minds, not because of something I said or a data point I shared, but because of the way that I just showed up. Yep. And they were like, I, I'm willing to listen to you because you, you're reasonable. <laughs> yep. So I think that's the goal. Yeah, I think it was Rick Warren that said, I've never led an enemy to Christ, only friends. Mm. And his point was, you know, I got to be friends with you first. Yeah, You have to know a Christian that you like first before you'll ever be interested in my Christ. So true. And yeah, I, I just think that's so helpful on, you know, and I love your approach on just asking questions. It goes so far. Um, let me uh, just continue on this this road of social media for just a second, because there's been much uh, reported about the uh, rise of anxiety and depression that is in lockstep with the rise of the use of social media. Mm -hmm. What do you see when it comes to that, and particularly with our teens? You know, what's a, a good way to monitor? Because we can't expect our our kids to not be on it. A lot of their classes are on it. Mm -hmm. So how do we help our kids regulate that so it doesn't become a life altering experience? Yeah, well, you know, the research is interesting um, because it's, it's multi layered. So what the research has shown is that passively consuming content, like people who just kind of scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll endlessly has been linked with adverse well-being. So people who tend to passively consume content tend to report more depression, they tend to report more isolation, discouragement, and even suicidal ideation. Um, interestingly, people who have found community um, through social media tend to report positive well-being. So people who, yeah, people who actually connect with others around shared topics and shared interests, um, they find that they actually feel better about their life. And so what I've been recommending to the ministries that um, my team and I have been working with is, listen, instead of just posting content, make sure you're focused on building community, connecting okay. people to each other, discovering like interests, like passions. Um, maybe they're in similar life seasons. Connect people together because that is going to help improve their well-being. Um, but you're right. Like uh, one of the cautions that I have given to even parents, and I have children who aren't on social media, they will not be for a long time, is um, you want to make sure that if your children are using social media, 
that it's in community. Like they're not just doing this by themselves because what it creates is that, you know, fear of missing out. Yep. So a friend posts about some great party they're at that you weren't invited to. And so now you're feeling horrible about yourself. But if you're in a community of other friends and you're video chatting together, you're probably not even caring about what your other person is doing because you're in community with other people. So that's where it becomes healthy. But yeah, passive consumption of content is is not ideal. That's such an interesting insight, which leads me to the next thing I wanted to ask you. And that is you do a lot with Facebook groups. Um, let's pretend I don't have the greatest uh, acumen when it comes to social media and technology. Explain to me what's a Facebook group and how does that benefit someone? And especially in the church, how could the church be leveraging that in a better way? Yeah, well, I'll explain it by using a metaphor. So um, okay. think of your Facebook presence like it's a house. So you have your Facebook page. That is your public Facebook property Think of that like uh, your front porch. So anybody driving up and down the street can see your front porch uh, and anything you put on your front porch. So it's public. Um, Facebook Live is like your front door. So people who are gathered on your front porch, you can open the front door and interact with them. Um, but you know, deep relationships don't get made on the front porch. Uh, you need to invite them into your home and sit down and have conversations. And so a Facebook group, really is like your living room or your kitchen. It's the place that you can invite people inside so that you can get to know each other. Um, they can get to know you, you can get to know them, uh, and you can have structured conversations. And so the reason why I've been such a big champion of Facebook groups is because, uh, especially when, when we're thinking about a church context, every church on earth for the most part has a page, but life change doesn't happen on the page because it's public. So no one is going to be like, Hey, you know, I'm addicted to, you know, drugs on the, on the front page. I need somebody to pray with me. Um, but when you get into a group and it's, it's a private context, uh, people cannot share information out of a group. Um, it's, it's a place where people can be vulnerable. Um, and there's more visibility of people in groups. Um, that's why it's so important to add that to your, what I call your Facebook infrastructure. And, uh, you should really think of the Facebook group kind of like your online church campus, because there are features in a group where you can disciple people. There's a mentorship program in a group where you can match people, a mentor and a mentee together. So imagine if someone just accepted Christ, you know, they're new to the faith, you can match them with someone who's tenured um, and they can go through a program over the course of, I think it's six, nine or 12 weeks uh, to help them uh, with the basics of the faith. Um, you can create social learning units within groups, which are structured modules, learning modules um, that you can create around various topics. You can go live in the group, which is awesome. It's something my husband and I will do. Uh, we do our weekly Bible study in our Facebook group using Facebook Live. There's a feature now um, called Rooms, which is basically like Zoom built into a Facebook group. So uh, we'll go you know, live in the room and people will join the room and then we'll go live in the group so people can, uh, can ask questions. So yeah, I think it's about creating that, that, that process. You wanna have movement, people from the porch to the front door to the living room so that they're actually being, being discipled. Okay, so if I'm in, uh, let's say London, England, and I'm watching uh, your church online and, and then you're 
you know, promoting this Facebook group, I can obviously go and find that. Mm -hmm. But let's say I'm not watching your church online, but I would love to be in your Facebook group. How would I ever know about that? Is there, are there algorithms that are sending information from your group to various people because they have certain likes and interests? Well, so there's a few things. Um, one, I recommend to people to always link your groups to your page. So you're able to link up to 250 Facebook groups to your page so that when somebody comes to your page, they can automatically click on a button that says groups and see what groups you have there. You can also, um, on your live stream on your page, you can indicate a group that people can join. Hmm. So while you're going live, it will actually recommend a group for people to join, which is awesome because after the live stream ends, you want people to have a place to go um, so that they can get to know each other better. So yeah, there are multiple ways um, to increase visibility of the group. You can even share the groups to your page so people can see them, um, include a link in your newsletter. There's various ways to make people uh, make people aware. So if I'm monitoring that group and let's say I'm in charge of it, how often should I check in to see who's been talking and dialoguing? Is that several times a day? Is that once a month? How's that work? Yeah, great question. I, I mean, I typically recommend that you want to have some eyes on the group a couple times a day just to make sure that uh, things remain healthy, because let's just be honest, people are people everywhere. And so you can have, you know, somebody make a post and it's like, oh Lord, it blew the whole group up. So just have, have a couple, a uh, couple times a day where somebody is taking a look in the community. Um, and that's part of building a team of, of admins and moderators, which I think could be really helpful. Um, but yeah, just a couple times a day, I think is, is plenty. Okay. Um, basic social media etiquette. Can you give us just a few do's and don'ts? <laughs> or maybe well, some horror stories? Oh man. Well, so the, the number one rule of social media that I always tell people is remember this, your social media is a benevolent dictatorship. Why do I say that? Because I have seen so many people get sucked into arguments with, with trolls, people who basically just, you know, dig up dirt so that they can try to create confusion. Um, you can block people you can delete people. There are so many ways to manage the people connected to you. Um, so just remember, if somebody is causing trouble and you warn them, you know, hey, this is not the place for that, uh, but they keep doing it, you can manage that. So that's the number one rule. Um, second thing is, I would just say, um, if you make a post, it's important to um, build some capacity in to respond to people's comments. I've noticed many times uh, a post will get made, people will comment, and you'll never see the person respond. Uh, and so if you're gonna make a post, what you're doing is you're basically inviting conversation. You wanna make sure that you at least build in some time to go back and respond um, so that people know that you know you care that they commented. Um, yeah, I think it just keep it, you know, keep it upbeat. Uh, you know, if you wanna talk about I mean, you know, it's up to you. If you want to talk about politics and all that stuff, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but just remember, it's 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 probably going to be a hornet's nest. Um, and just just keep it upbeat. You know, try to point people, especially for those of us who who are Christian, point people to the cross, point people to Jesus. Uh, it, it's really important that you set the the culture that you want for your social media because if you don't, it'll get hijacked very quickly. Mm, so true. Okay, last question. I'll let you off the hook here. Is my Alexa listening to me? 
You know what? I have no idea. Probably. Oh, come on now. She's talking no to you guys. At all. Uh, but you know, it's funny. I saw a meme one time. Uh, it was a guy and he was basically saying, he told his wife, he was like, I think we need to get rid of Alexa because you know, Alexa's listening to me. And his wife was like, Oh no, you're being funny. And you know, she laughed, then he laughed. And then it said, uh, Alexa laughed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's very possible. <laughs> Okay, that is a uh, that's not an admission or a denial. So uh, we'll just take that from Nona there. Nona, this has been great. Where can people find you and find out more about? Uh, you mentioned this great organization that you've started, uh, Faith and Prejudice, I believe. Just yeah. walk us through that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I invite anyone who wants to connect with me. Um, my handle is the same across all my channels, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, or Clubhouse now. Yes. Uh, my handle is at Nona, not Nora. <laughs> Nona Jones, not Nora Jones. So it's at Nona, not Nora. Um, and then for Faith and Prejudice, you can absolutely connect with us. Uh, we're on Instagram, YouTube, uh, as well as Facebook. And our handle is at Faith and A N D Prejudice. So yeah, we'd love to connect with you. You get confused for Nora Jones a lot. All the time. I spoke at a conference in um, Australia and the gentleman who was emceeing, he introduced me with this very grand introduction about how I was a Grammy award winning artist and you know, <laughs> played these multiple instruments and all this stuff. And I was just like, I'm so sorry to disappoint you all. That is not me. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you should work up one of her songs just so you've got it in the queue. You know, I anytime. think I will. Yeah. You must end it. Don't know why. <laughs> All right, Nona, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And thanks for your work you're doing. And we feel safer now out there on Facebook because we know you're watching out for us. Oh, man. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you so much. Well, thanks so much for listening. As always, if you would subscribe and share, that would just be fantastic. And I'm sure you know somebody who would really benefit from our conversation today with Nona, especially about social media and about what we could be doing to better leverage Facebook and other platforms for ministry rather than just our critique and criticism of our culture. So I would love to hear from you. Maybe you've got a question about what Nona shared. You can DM me our direct message me on Instagram at Rusty L. George. Next week, cannot wait for you to be back with brand new content. We will see you then. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple. Learn.